Welcome to Out of the Arts with Beth and Amy. We will help you bridge the gap between an arts career and a career outside the arts industry. You're about to be extra glad you're listening today because we have Alexandria Belavan with us for a great conversation on career development. Alexandria is a career development specialist for entertainment professionals who currently works for the Actors Fund. Her excitement and passion really shine through, and she brings to the table several years of experience helping arts and entertainment professionals successfully bridge the career gap. We met Alexandria via mutual connections on LinkedIn, where she focuses a lot of her work in teaching, and she offers wonderful insight into how to successfully use LinkedIn as a tool for career development and networking, especially through her own special LinkedIn challenge. We've got a lot to unpack for you today, so maybe go grab a hot beverage, maybe a pen and paper to take notes, and make sure to come join the conversation at outofthearts.com or follow us on social media at Out of the Arts for more resources and support. We have Alex with us today. She has been spearheading a very cool initiation with her LinkedIn and the Actors Fund. And me and Alex connected through LinkedIn. I'm so excited. Uh, She's here with us. Can you kind of give us a starting point of what the Actors Fund is and what you've been doing there? What kind of started all this? Oh, yeah, sure. I started working at the Actors Fund like five and a half years ago, and it's been such a great journey. I actually absolutely love my position at the Actors Fund, and I think the organization is great. The organization was founded over 130 years ago, and that's because back then when John Wilkes Booth murdered Lincoln, he was considered an actor, and because he was an actor, a lot of churches would not bury anybody that was associated with the theater. So a young journalist decided this is a problem, uh, which it is. And so he created the Actors Fund, which the initial fund went towards a cemetery that still exists in Brooklyn so that families could bury their loved ones that were in the theater. And so moving forward to the 80s is when they started attacking on social services. So because of the HIV AIDS epidemic. So they had social workers come in and start to address different types of social service pieces of an artist's life. And then at some point, you know, between then and now, (laughs) the Career Center was created. And the Career Center is a department that assists entertainment professionals, whether they're a performer or a lighting designer or a stage manager or a dancer, it doesn't matter what discipline you are, we'll work with you as long as you identify as an entertainment professional. And what we do is we help you navigate the non-entertainment industry workforce of looking for work, right? So a lot of people say, well, what's the big deal? Why can't they just be a waiter? And I detest that response. Not that there's anything wrong with being a waiter. I've actually had plenty of people come to me and say, Alex, I I actually don't mind working at a restaurant. I just want to work at a better restaurant. So (laughs) there's nothing wrong with being a waiter, but there's a lot of people that just don't want that to be an option. They want other options because they have different values, they have different needs, they have different interests. And there are a lot of people out there that also think, well, what if, what if, 
the entertainment industry doesn't work out for me. You know, I want to be able to think ahead. And there's a lot of controversy around that conversation. And I always lean towards there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with exploring your needs. There's a lot of people out there that will tell someone from the entertainment industry that that way of thinking is just taking away from their possible success that they could experience in the industry. But I, I, I think that that's toxic thinking. So what I do, is, <laughs> so what I do with the, the career center is I started as an employment specialist and now I am the program manager of the job development program within the career center. And so what I do is all of my workshops are towards assisting our clients learn how to actually job search once they know what it is that they're looking for. Our career counseling program helps people kind of identify, identify what it is that they might want to pursue, right? So you go to career counseling if you're not sure what it is that you want. And once you know, or once you have an idea of what it is that you want to pursue, then you're ready for me. So I'm the person that teaches you how to network, how to personal brand, how to interview properly, how to submit an application. And I'll do interview prepping with you. And I do also one-on-ones occasionally. I haven't been doing them as much because the pandemic has been really overwhelming. But I apologize. That was a really long-winded answer. <laughs> I hope that's okay. <laughs> no, that's great. That's I actually didn't know that whole history of the Actors Fund. Never really understood because I've only ever known it as like a, a service organization and never understood why it was called the Actors Fund. So now that makes a lot more sense. I love that. Oh, yeah. Everybody gets really excited about the history. And I've I've realized that Almost no one knows about the history and it is so interesting. So I always, I always try to fit it in there. And the, all, the other reason why we're called the Actors Fund, and this is also a misconception, a lot of people tend to think, oh, they're just for actors, obviously. They're called the Actors Fund, but that's absolutely not true. The reason why we're called the Actors Fund is because anybody that was associated with the theater back then was considered an actor. So even if you were a scenic designer, you were an actor. But now times have changed, obviously. But so we're for everyone in entertainment, not just performers. I love that. Although, do you feel like that misconception is still out there that anyone who says they have a theater background is assumed to be an actor or performer? That's a really, that's a good one. I haven't gotten this question yet. I think, I, I mean, I don't think that they uh, assume, like if somebody says, I work in a theater as a stage manager, I don't think that they assume that they're a performer type, but I do think that a lot of the assumptions that are made about a performer are the same for that stage manager, right? So in terms of I don't know, like flakiness, like just like put that out there, which by the way, anybody in the inter entertainment industry is not flaky. I don't even know where this came from, but I, I well, I, you know, actually, I guess we could assume that it came from the fact that most people that are in the entertainment industry, when they take a, when they take a job that's outside of the industry, they'll leave it when something within the industry pops up. And so that's why this kind of reputation and stigma of, People from the performing arts are flaky. That's where I believe that comes from. But I, so I, I think that, yes, I think that they're treated the same way, absolutely, in a lot of cases. There was so much <laughs> stuff from the beginning that I just want to unpack into like a hundred pretty little boxes. <laughs> <laughs> Thank 
you. I try. <laughs> I, I love so much of it. And me and Amy have so many of these conversations coming from, mm-hmm. you know, because we were theater professionals and then found our way out mm-hmm. in different ways. And you don't, do you have a theater background? I did a lot of theater in college. So I graduated with a degree in sociology, but I did so, so much theater in college. I took so many classes. I was at a couple shows. I did a couple classes after I graduated, but I just really dove into social advocacy. I actually started working with youth in the beginning of my career. And I, it's funny because I was the one that had partnerships with organizations that would provide very low cost or no cost tickets to Broadway for youth. And their missions were to get kids to the theater. And so the kids that I worked with weren't really kids. Like my demographic that I worked with, they were between 16 and 24. And so even those young adults in the different parts of Brooklyn that I worked with, they had never gone to Manhattan, right? They would just stay within their boroughs their entire lives. And so I made it a point to take them into the city and take them to see shows. And when I was ready to leave that job, I was able to network my way into the Actors Fund because I had developed this reputation at work about loving the theater, which I do. I've always loved the theater. I mean, my first show was Cats when I was really, really young, (laughs) so tiny. And my mom and dad would always like take me to Broadway shows. And then when I, when I was in college, like during our breaks, like me and my friends, we would go to the city and we would use like our student rush, like discount with our IDs and stuff. I mean, I, I love, love the theater so much, but in terms of a formal background and being paid to be a professional in the arts. No, that's not, that's not a world that I actually experienced. I just know a lot about it because I have been working with hundreds, hundreds of professionals in the industry um, for the past five years. So well, that was that's kind of, my background. That was kind of the yeah. thought, like where, how did you connect this love affair with theater and this love affair with helping people in their careers, like where did this love affair of theater come from? And having done it a lot in college, you understand the positions, you understand the work that goes into it, you understand the effort behind the scenes and that, you know, a designer is not the same thing as an actor, which right. is so silly that we still have to have those conversations with people, <laughs> but I guess it's a thing. Are you, you're still in New York, right? You're living there. You're. No, I'm actually in Michigan right now. Oh, <laughs> um, yeah. yeah, I'm in Michigan right now. But I mean, like my apartment is still in Brooklyn waiting for me. Uh, my partner and I just decided we're like, let's just go to your parents. So we've been with his parents since like July. I went to go visit my parents a couple times, but I have not been in the city since July and I miss it every single day but it's crazy because you know all the reasons why you live in new york city are just not there and one of those reasons is you go to the theater (laughs) like you know Mm -hmm. like it's just it's the best part about it you go to the theater go get a cocktail beforehand or after whatever who am i kidding i never Mm -hmm. go afterwards i'm like i want to go home afterwards (laughs) um but it it's it's truly um it's disappointing i mean i have a couple of clients that 
were in Broadway shows right before the pandemic hit. I just had a client um, just a couple of days ago that I had a one-on-one with and she was in West Side Story. I mean, technically still is in West Side Story because it's not closed yet, but it's heartbreaking not being there and knowing that this is all going on and all the reasons why we live in New York City are kind of like on hold right now. So going along with that, COVID obviously has changed everything and especially for theater professionals right now in New York and all over the world. Do you find that it's changing the way people are thinking about looking for new jobs or considering leaving the arts. I mean, how is this affecting how people are thinking and reacting? I don't believe in black and white when it comes to career development. And Mm -hmm. I think that that's a main issue that a lot Mm -hmm. of people have is that they do view it as black and white. So there's this amazing book, called The Chaos Theory for Careers. And I encourage anyone to read it, not just career coaches. It is meant for career coaches, but anyone should read it just so that you can understand that career development comes with so much uncertainty. You can never predict where your career is going to lead you. You can't predict if a pandemic is going to hit and completely put your industry on pause. So It's so important for everyone at all times, pre, post, during pandemic, to explore your wants and needs, explore your interests, explore, do I love this because it's a great hobby of mine, or do I love it so much that I might actually want to make money off of it? There's nothing wrong with doing that. And so during this time, what I've been encouraging my clients to do is first, I want you to remain and continue to be creative. Like do that for yourself. Create a podcast, create a YouTube channel, or create a murder mystery. I have a friend that did that, right? A Zoom murder mystery. So do something creative with your time because that is going to help you network with other creatives because you might need help along the way researching how to actually execute this project or whatever it is that you're putting together. And also, it's going to show everybody else that you interact with that this is how I remained creative during the pandemic, right? So whether you're able to make money off of your creativity or not, you should, you should just continue to work on your craft. And I actually read this amazing article. I forgot who wrote it, but it was this really wonderful um, psychologist that she works with entertainment professionals specifically. And she actually mentioned in this article, like, you can still work on your self-tape auditioning. You could still work on, you know, memorizing a monologue. You could still be creative during this time. So that is really important and see where that takes you. On the other hand, though, there is this sense of you need to be responsible. You do need to face the facts that even when things are considered safe or even when Broadway opens up. It's not going to be like the floodgates are going to open up with jobs. It's not going to be that way. It's going to trickle in. And to be quite honest, the industry is overly saturated even before the pandemic, right? And it's being in the entertainment industry means episodic work. And even if you are 
and so I've had so many clients have told me this, like they told me I could do everything right. I could do everything that I was taught how to do. I could be the best person in the audition. I could do everything by the book. But at the end of the day, that's not enough sometimes, right? Because it is such an overly saturated industry, right? And also, you know, how many times have I worked with performers that were leads in shows and then their show closes and it's like, you know, I've had, I had once this, uh, a lead of a show and she's like, you know, this middle-aged woman and she was like, Alex, I already know, right. I know my chances right now in terms of my type and the types of roles that are out there. It's not going to be like tomorrow or next month that I'm going to be able to find a role. So I'm good with just finding a job for the long term, Right. So you kind of have to just lean into the circumstances. If you're in a position right now where it's like, I'm really running out of money and I need to make rent soon and I don't really have a lot of resources, best bet is to actually identify what your skill sets are. And this is the hardest part is take some time is what is, what are my skill sets? What are my strengths? And where can I apply these things to a different job? that I'll enjoy enough and I'm qualified for. And in terms of, you know, what happens when the industry opens back up? So the industry opens back up and you take it day by day, right? You know, I mean, it's the same also as there. The other thing is, it's the same as anybody else in a field right now that's not doing well. I mean, people that are in tourism right now, um, in hospitality, they have to do the same exact thing, right? So it's not just entertainment industry professionals that are suiciding out is what a lot of people have been saying that they're afraid of happening with the entertainment industry. And I don't think that, I don't think that that's what it is. I think it's people need to look at their circumstances and everyone's different. I'll have one client that is a performer young, still under their parents' health insurance and living under their parents' roof because they're 24 and that person has a completely different circumstance than the parent that has to pay the mortgage, right? So, you know, you really have to look at your circumstances. And that's why I really cannot stand it when I see posts on LinkedIn that are like, this is how I did it. (laughs) And it should work for a majority of other people. It's like, you cannot say that because everyone's life is so different. (laughs) It's so true. You are almost verbatim reiterating a lot of the same things we say and, and talk to people about. We we have the exact same perspective. It's it's really great. So I got two questions out of that. One is okay. being creative. Do you see people taking their creativity into other fields? And I ask this question because I know as a sound designer, I took my love of editing and bringing together big pictures and just transformed that into training and creating videos and creating things in that. Like, so I, I career shifted, but I took everything that I already had and just boxed it differently. Do you see people doing the same thing or do you see people more just taking a step away and moving into other directions? Yeah, I think, uh, people are trying to do that. I think that that's definitely something that people are trying to do is because the thing is, 
the fastest and the easiest way to find a job is by doing something that you already know how to do, <laughs> you know, because that's essentially what an employer wants to hire. An employer really does not want to hire someone that they have to do a lot of training for. So, you know, depending on how specific your discipline is, you know, that it might be, that's, that's, that's essentially what people are trying to do. So for example, I've seen a lot of voiceovers talk about how, you know, there are so, there's so much that a business could use a voiceover for. They don't even realize, right? So for example, you know, just like most places might have their internal staff do some type of voiceover project for, I don't know, a recording of a video that they want to do or I don't their voicemail system, something, right? And it's like, well, why wouldn't you hire a voiceover and give them some work to do it, right? So that's that is something that I see people trying to do. Um, it's just too abstract right now to even call it a trend. But there's other things too, like for example, conferences and virtual events that businesses are having for their employees you know, hire a performer to open up and be the keynote and do some entertainment for them, right? So that's another thing that I do see uh, happening is, you know, employers have to keep their employees engaged. And uh, there aren't that many ways to do that from home. And you have all of this amazing talent that could really easily entertain you and your folks and just hop on on Zoom. I mean, I have a friend that's a magician. His name is Mervant and he's on Airbnb. And I actually hired him for a holiday party that I facilitated on Zoom. And it was the most entertaining thing. It was so fun. It was crazy. And he actually got paid like 500 bucks for 15 minutes by this one company just to open up a meeting or something, you know? So there's ways, there's, there are ways for the non-entertainment industry and the entertainment industry to come together in a really lovely and meaningful way that doesn't, that doesn't always mean the entertainment professional needing to leave their discipline completely. Yeah. Um, so the second thing that I pulled out of your, your, one of those chats was um, you talk about like people finding work in different places. And one of the things you just said is just by knowing somebody, they found work through you. Do you think most people are finding work through relationships or do you think that people are finding work in different specific places? I think LinkedIn's probably a big one right now. Uh, what are some thoughts that you have on where people should be if they're looking for work? It's definitely LinkedIn because it's really the only social media platform with that's career oriented. I mean, you should be on as many social media platforms as you're able to be on as long as you're being consistent. I'm not on other social media platforms. I'm only on LinkedIn because I only have the energy for LinkedIn. But that's the thing is that in terms of accelerating your job search, LinkedIn is definitely the best place to be because it's a database. It's a networking database. First of all, there's networking happening all the time on the newsfeed itself. It's 
I actually saw somebody write a post the other day describing LinkedIn as one great big live business discussion that's happening at all times. And that's exactly what it is. The other component to it is you could search for literally anyone you want. And, and I think that some people don't realize LinkedIn sometimes is just a search tool. It's not necessarily the tool that you use to reach out to someone, right? So many people say to me, well, Alex, I tried to reach out to this person on LinkedIn and they didn't get back to me. It's like, it's a social media platform and it's LinkedIn. Like, let's be honest, most people do not log into their LinkedIn's as regularly as you and I do, right? So mm-hmm. the thing is, and for the most part, and the crazier thing is like you can see how active someone is. Like you just have to go to their profile and see their activity spot. And if there's nothing in their activity box, then you know that this person probably does not log in every day. So instead, use it sometimes as just a search tool. And then use a website like Cultivated Cultures, MailScoop, or Hunter.io to find the email address of that person because all you needed was the name. So that is leading to the first question is that, yes, I think that relationship building is the best way to find work right now. Networking is the best way to find work. Even if you submit an application cold, you should without any relationships, which you should still do. I still definitely encourage my clients to submit applications. If you see a job that you're interested in and it was just posted, submit for it, but you must, you must reach out to someone afterwards. I mean, I actually wrote a whole post about like, if you don't reach out to somebody, then you didn't, you didn't do enough. Because for example, I have a client that told me that she was having an informational interview with somebody at one of her target companies. And he said, yeah, I have a position that I'm hiring for right now. 70 people applied and four people actually reached out to me to follow up on the application. It's like, whoa. I mean, like, you know, it's, it, who is he going to go after first? He's just going to go after those first four first. So it's really important to, to, to follow up because there's such an overwhelming amount of applications that employers are receiving. So we want to make sure that we're following up because we know that most people either don't want the job bad enough and they just submit just to submit or people are way too scared to actually find someone and follow up. I think the other thing that trips people up as well is finding the right person. So, (laughs) so when people get, people can't find the right person. Like you cannot convince me that you can't find someone to talk to. You just will never be able to convince me of that. And if people say, well, I can't find the right person. It's like, that doesn't matter. It's like, just find someone and send an email and they will forward your resume to the right person. I have done that so many times in my own job searches. And it's led to great opportunities, right? I actually also tell my clients, don't don't let rejections defeat you. Reach out to somebody and ask them why were you rejected and send them warm notes. You know, don't be accusatory or anything like that. But like genuinely ask for some feedback. Because again, what if that candidate that they actually did go with doesn't work out? They're going to reach out to you first. So all these things where you're, really being human about the process where you're sending follow-up notes, you're sending thank you notes, you're sending 
thank yous to rejections even. Those are all parts of relationship building. And those are things that are impressionable. Those are things that are memorable to the person that's hiring. And so you want to also keep in touch, right? And LinkedIn is the best place to do that. Like you're not going to you're not going to like add someone on Facebook. You're not going to add a recruiter on Facebook because that's the other problem with all the other social media platforms. While it's possible for you to find work on other social media platforms through relationship building, when you're networking and you're creating relationships with employers, you're not going to say, oh, can I add you on Facebook? It's just weird, right? But you have LinkedIn where you can say, hey, can we connect on LinkedIn and it's okay. So you have this one place where you can actually have nothing but professional, a professional network without muddying these waters of, can I add you on Instagram or Facebook? Because you never know how someone is using those platforms. Because those platforms could be personal or they can be business oriented. But the point is, is that you're always safe with asking someone, can we connect on LinkedIn? So that's why it's really important to be on that platform for sure. Tell me about your LinkedIn challenge and how you're helping people learn how to network and learn how to use LinkedIn. Oh, yes. My challenge is my baby. I love my challenge. <laughs> um, I've had about 150 people go through my challenge since the pandemic began and every starting next year is going to be every other month. But basically what I do is I have three master classes that anyone in the entertainment industry is allowed to take. As long as you find it and you sign up for it, you can take it. At the end though, of the third master class, which is a content creation and networking class, I do offer the challenge. So I provide them with all of the details. And the details are that it is 15 days total. There are ambassadors, which are former challengers that assist me with this challenge because I allow 30 people to take the challenge all at once. And we split those 30 people into three different group chats. And the reason why we have group chats, we have the challengers in group chats is for accountability. So it's not just it's not just like a workbook of a challenge that you take home and then you do it on your own. It's actually a group effort. So it's a challenge with yourself. It's not a challenge with your other, with your peers, right? So in these group chats, the ambassadors are also planted in these group chats. So those are pure um, volunteers and they're amazing. And, you know, they basically provide assistance throughout the 15 days. And they also inform me if there's like anything serious going on with the challenger. So this way we could have 30 people do it. And I have eyes all over the place so that um, everybody has a safe and good experience. And what they do also have to do is post once a day for 15 days. So it's a writing challenge. It is a copywriting challenge for sure. They are learning how to write on a career site every single day for 15 days. And it's truly beautiful to see how they evolve over time. I mean, sometimes the first day, the first couple days, it's just like the content is, whew, needs a lot of work. And then by the end, it's like you're seeing them write beautiful LinkedIn posts. And in addition to writing every day, they do have daily challenges. So they have to follow companies. So one day it might be, follow five companies that you admire. And the thing is, is that we do 
take it very seriously in terms of the group chat. So every single day I do check in. So every morning I write a message to the group saying, Hey everybody, you know, great job. You're all doing awesome. Like whatever it is that I want to say that day. And then I'll remind them of their daily challenge. And so if their challenge one day is follow five companies that you admire at the end of the day, I will say, okay, what, what companies did you follow and it's really nice because then people kind of get inspired and they're like oh i didn't think about following that company i actually do like that company and then another day the challenge the daily activity will be all right now connect with five people that work at those companies that you that you followed and then the following day it'll be okay now send a message asking for an informational interview right so I ease them into it at the beginning and it's it in the group chat is so important because you know one person is better at it than another person right so the person that's struggling with this isn't alone so you could ask each other you know what did you write in the message that was so successful for you to get them to say yes right so that's 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 part of it and then towards the end is when things get really heavy so, you know, I'll split those three things into three different days and then there'll be another day towards the end where I tell them to do that all in one day. <laughs> so they, so it really is an intense challenge where I also encourage them to connect with at least 20 new people, which is, I mean, they're going to do anyway because of the daily activities, but connect with people, connect with each other. You know, they are also encouraged to comment on other posts on the newsfeed. They're also encouraged to follow hashtags. They're encouraged to comment on people's posts that aren't part of the group, right? So those are all the things that are part of the challenge. And so it's just like one great big accountability group and it's structured and we have a whole thing. Like we have a kickoff in the beginning and then we have a closeout at the end. And then, you know, if you want, you could actually become an ambassador. And just just very recently, I'm really happy the ambassadors have created a Slack space just for all the challengers that don't end up becoming ambassadors so that everybody can stick together and have a more live space to talk. So I've just created this family on LinkedIn. And if anybody is curious or wants to kind of follow any of these people my students usually use the creative life and so you could always go there we have like over 200 followers on that hashtag i'm so excited because when we first used it there was nobody was using it um so it's nice we have this little family now and then people could actually look through their content and in fact whenever anybody is talking on linkedin about like oh like my feed is so boring or whatever i'm commenting i'm like how about you follow the creative life <laughs> that's so that's the challenge yeah where did this idea come from is this is this a it's your baby by far is it something that you just kind of like woke up with in a dream did you see someone else do something similar like where did this come from so I, I had one of my first assignments when I started working at the fund was to create a LinkedIn class. And after doing it for a couple of years, I did. I created classes. I created a beginner class and a master class. And it just occurred to me, though, that 
people will consume, but it's very hard for them to practice what they consumed. So I thought of the idea of let's just do like a, a content challenge, right? So it did just kind of like pop up. So at first, the before the pandemic, originally, it was just posting every day. There was actually no daily activities. It was just I wanted them to write and I wanted them to be vocal on the platform. And then I did actually start seeing like not not recently, but a couple like a couple of years ago, I started to see this trend of career coaches creating challenges, but kind of like, you know, your, your own journey type of challenges, like, you know, they would give 15 activities or 20 activities for someone to do and like you would just do it on your own. So I, you know, after years of teaching the class and also kind of seeing other coaches create their own challenges, I kind of put it all together into one big workshop series. That's awesome. That's a great way to pull all that together. I mean, as a teacher, like I have this fight all the time, even in, you know, I work in a government agency and when we're teaching something new, people are like, oh, can't you just hand them a packet? Can't you just hand them a piece of paper on how to do things? No, you cannot. They need time to practice it, do it wrong, learn from it. And that's how we become better humans. So... Uh, I always have to advocate for that, but we do as, as teachers, as trainers, as coaches, we see that making such a huge difference. I'm so thrilled that you're doing it and doing it that way because I'm, I know they're getting so much more out of it than a class. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they're like, you know, a lot of people are afraid. There's not a lot of people that are brave enough to just jump into a platform as intimidating as LinkedIn on their own. Like, all by themselves. It is quite rare. And so, you know, they need that helping hand. They need someone that's there for them to say, Hey, I, I went through this as well. This is what, this is how I got through it. Right. Or someone to ask questions to. Right. So I I think that it's really, really helpful. I mean, the amount of questions that I get during the challenge, especially about the type of content to write. I mean, I had, I've had a couple clients message me and say, I, I want to talk about something that's been really confidential, but it's a huge part about part of my life. And I feel weird talking about it, but I feel like it's the right thing to do. And it's just as simple as having someone like me who has seen a lot of people talk about their vulnerabilities on LinkedIn to say, look, it's not just you. There's a lot of people that talk about their vulnerabilities. It's up to you. Is this something, if this is something that you want people to know, then you should feel comfortable writing about it. And plus, I teach them how to write it in a tasteful way that's receptive on LinkedIn, right? So there is, I do, I, there is a right and a wrong way of writing on LinkedIn. There is, there just, there just is, <laughs> you know? So, so that's, you know, just having someone to ask questions and just say, is this okay? And trusting me because I also obviously practice what I preach. I just cannot stand it when there's all these like LinkedIn coaches that are like, I could grow your following or I could grow your engagement. And you look at their profile and they never write and they're, they don't have a lot of followers. So, you know, not only am I there to help them, but they can see like, oh, Alex knows what she's talking about because she practices every day. You know, I'm learning the platform every day myself. 
that's the other thing as well as being a teacher that people can see that you actually have the same results. So that's another thing that's important. I was going to ask what you think of the new story feature on LinkedIn. Oh my God, I love it. <laughs> I love the new story feature. And it, I love it because before I got off Instagram, I mean, the only thing that I loved about Instagram uh, towards the end it was the stories. I loved creating stories. And when it came to LinkedIn, I was so excited because it's this other medium for us to talk in a more casual way and communicate in a more casual way there because the thing is you can't be posting all the time on linkedin it's not twitter on linkedin you know when you're writing content on linkedin it there's got to be thought that goes into it and you're not going to post more than twice right A, a day at least so now with the stories it allows you to give this more in between type of view of your life and you can use that any way that you want and so it was really funny i saw there were so many people that were mad about it and against it and it was hysterical and there's all of these posts that you saw about like you know if people start posting pictures of their food on their stories like that's going to be a problem and it's hilarious because those same people are now posting photos of their food on their stories okay there's nothing wrong with it and so i remember the best way to describe it and the ceo just described it perfectly he was talking about when he was interviewed about it this is the water cooler talk that we're missing from work right so it's the more casual talk so when you think about the water cooler what do you talk about at the water cooler you talk about the kids, you talk about vacation, you talk about what you cooked up last night. You don't talk about work at the water cooler. The thing is that allows us to share our interests and sharing our interests then results in us making new friends. I mean, how many times have I now reached out to somebody because of their stories? Like, oh my God, I love that too. <laughs> and the same thing, vice versa. So it actually helped with the relationship building for sure. And I think that one thing that people are doing wrong with them that I've seen is they're just using it for self-promotion. And like, that's fine. It's fine to use it sometimes for self-promotion and it's not a big deal, but there's also a lot of busyness going on there, right? It's like, you know, look people, you can't link something to, to your stories yet. So don't try to do it. No one is, honestly, it would be crazy to me if somebody looked at someone's story and actually took the time, because you can't copy and paste text on the story either. So, you know, you're seeing people that are posting something that they about what they did, right? And they're pasting the link to it. And it's like, do you really expect somebody to like hold their thumb on the screen and like write down the link somewhere else just so that they could... So, you know, just be yourself, have fun. I mean, I've created some, I think creating some tip videos is good too. I've, I've done it myself. I post photos of my food because I love cooking. I post selfies sometimes on there. You know, so it's a mix, right? It's how I feel. I'm a huge advocate for the stories. <laughs> that's, that's exactly where I was kind of wondering. I kind of wonder, people are so used to thinking of LinkedIn as this thing that is solely work and solely professional basis. And so then 
we're adding more people into LinkedIn with COVID and we're adding the stories feature. So getting people comfortable with the idea of food photos and dog photos and selfies and, and it's okay. Like you can be a real human, which me and Amy, we talk about this idea about being a human and just you are who you are and you're great because of who you are. If you're trying to pretend to be someone else and you're portraying yourself as someone else, you're going to be struggling. It, do you find that that's something that you're consistently working on with other people too? And even yourself, do, is this something that you deal with? Yeah, I, I deal with it a lot. <laughs> I've definitely evolved over time, gotten a lot looser because it's not going to help you to hold back. I mean, look, you have to have your morals and your values, right? Like, so certain things that I won't do because it's just not how I want to represent myself. Not that there's anything wrong with it, but like, I, you won't find me cursing on any of my posts. Like, you just won't see me doing it. It just feels wrong for me. And it looks right for other people, right? Because there are people on LinkedIn that do swear in their posts. And you know what? It It's fine for them because it just works for them. They're comfortable doing it. So you have to share what makes you feel comfortable while also just remembering a potential employer could see this right now. Now, the person that is cursing in their post might be the entrepreneur. That's their own boss and has a thriving business, right? So for them, they don't they don't care. They're, they could be more free. So for me, it's definitely been something that I've always had to, that I've always struggled with because I do represent the Actors Fund. So, and I want to, I want to do, I want to be myself in a way that the Actors Fund is, is proud of me uh, and how they're, you know, how I'm representing myself. Right. And, you know, also because who knows what other employer might be looking at me or what other client might be looking at me, right? So I always have that in the back of my mind, but I think that I think that most people are just so afraid to share anything. They think, you know, they think that everything is an overshare. And the thing is is that if you're always just talking about work, then you're not a real person, you're not a human being. And so you know, with that being said, It's just not easy to initiate a relationship or a conversation with somebody just by talking about work. It's just not, it's just not easy because work, it's just not easy. So what's easier though, is seeing someone that has a similar interest as you. And that's what hooks you in. That's your bait, right? So that's why I do encourage people to share your interest because you never know the employer that if you talk about an instrument that you play or whatever, the employer that's going to interview you next week might see that and might be like, oh, wow, I played the same one in high school. It strengthens the, the, the relationship in some way. And that's, that's what relationship building is, is about because there's only so much we could talk about work, right? There's you know, and, and also all, all of our work worlds are so different too. When you think about it, it's not it's not that easy to like remember what someone does or remember their you know company's mission statement or what they do, right? Like people just want to be with other people, and then they'll get to the partnerships and the business conversations later. If that makes sense. 
Yeah, I have a hard time remembering where people are living. I'm like, wait, what state are you in? What part of the country are you again? I don't remember. I know you moved. Are you happy? Are you still humaning? Are you living your life and doing what you love? That's what's important. Right. I'm I'm feeling it. Yeah. It's like going to the dog park. I never remember the people's names, but I remember the stories they tell me. And I remember their dogs' names. <laughs> it's like you remember the little things about them. Right. <laughs> exactly. I know. I love it. That's that's the I mean, I, I actually did dog walking for a little while. I would go to the dog park and you know, you just start talking to people and you strike a conversation and you talk about your life first and then at the end it's you know, this is a really great conversation. Are you a dog walker? <laughs> it's like, yeah. yes, I am. Yes, I am. Do you need me to take care of your dog next week? Great. You know, that's because that's what makes people feel comfortable, right? So another example, I mean, just the other day in terms of relationship building and trust, right? I mean, I have a partner that I've been working with for a very long time. And not only do I adore her as a, as a, as a human being, but, you know, she's very professional and I would... I, she's just like one of the smartest people that I know. And she sent over somebody to me that was interested, that submitted for a job at the Actors Fund in a completely different department. And she gave her a glowing recommendation. And I was like, sure, I'll forward it to HR. And I did. And that candidate got a call within a, within like a day, right? So, you know, but I think that the reason why, and the thing, I mean, you think about it, that candidate that I don't know at all was able to benefit from my relationship with my colleague, right? And I don't think that my relationship with my colleague would be so strong if we didn't actually also like each other. Like we consider each other friends too, you know, like we're business partners and we're friends. And I think that those are probably the best partnerships that I have. I mean, every every partner that I have, when we get on the phone, it starts off like, how are you doing? How's, you know, how's your family? Are you okay? Are you safe? Like, we share vulnerable things, like you have actual human conversations with them. And then you get to the nitty gritty later. So when you think about it, it's like the work conversation doesn't really last that long. No one wants it. <laughs> I love this. I had such a hard time. I work with a vendor and we work side by side, except the vendors are very much like, there for business and their relationship with you is very business and I just want to be a human. And so it took about a year and a half before I broke down my counterpart into being a real human. And once I got in, I was like, okay, I'm in. We're humans. This is great. Um, Amazing. Yeah. And now like I will tell everyone, this is one of my favorite humans. And if you need her for anything, I trust her a hundred percent, but I can only do that now that we're actually friends. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And you makes it makes you want to do that. You know, it makes you, when somebody makes you feel good because you had a fun conversation with them, you want to do, you want to give them the world. I mean, at least for me, that's what I always want to do. I always want to make it up to somebody. So absolutely. It's, it's those, you know, otherwise if it's just business, like, to be quite honest, it's going to take longer for someone to get back to you, right? They're not going to feel so obligated or they're not going to feel that urgency to get back to you because they don't care about you, right? 
<laughs> yeah, you're not you're not necessarily a real person. You're just another checkbox to be completed. Versus if you have that intimate relationship, then it's, oh, Alex called, Amy called, I need to call them back. I know that it's real life. Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, I think it's so weird that people don't think about it. And maybe it's because, like, we all have had an art relationships. Like, to me, coming from the theater world, it was so natural that I knew everyone in the cast, I knew all the designers, I knew all of the people. We all went out and hung out, like you said, drinks before, drinks after. And not being in that world anymore, other people don't really do that as much. Yeah, and it's quite interesting because of the fact that the entertainment industry, it runs on networking. Like <laughs> It runs on networking. And it really is no different for other industries, right? But for some reason, uh, professionals within the arts uh, actually think differently. They think that it is different in the other industries, that, it's, that, it, that other industries don't run on networking, that it's you submit for an application and you go through this interview process. And um, the fact of the matter is, is that that's not the case, is that, you know, most, enter- most of that, and that's the thing that I always want to, remind my clients is like you know how to do this i know you need to know how to do this because you need to network for your discipline for your entertainment work and you have to put those networking skills you know you need to apply that to when you're looking for a job outside of the industry you just need to apply those networking skills too so it's no different really it's the same thing i think in the performing arts world in particular there's an innate emotional piece And, you know, when you're creating art and when you're having these conversations that you're not necessarily having around the water cooler otherwise in other industries, it's so much easier to connect and the connection happens more quickly and it's expected. Whereas outside of the arts industries, it is a necessity, but it's seen a lot of the times as like a chore. Or something like that. Like, oh, I have to go do networking. My boss requires me to go to one networking event a month. And people are not seeing the value in relationship building because they don't necessarily need it to do their job like people in the theater do. They just need it to further their career. And that's not always immediately obvious, I think. I know. And I, it's it's a very, very abstract topic, the topic of networking. I actually tell my clients all the time, once they find a job, I'm like, you know that networking is not done for you. You have to always be doing it, right? And I mean, I, I describe networking as making professional friends. You know, it's, it's you're networking to build a relationship with somebody and that relationship might turn into something that's more than just professional. And that's okay. That's completely okay because you can still help each other professionally. And for other people, it might be strictly professional, but you still have a good time and you appreciate that you appreciate the working relationship that you have, but it has to be fun and you have to look forward to seeing each other. And that's what, that's, that's what friends are, right? You look forward to, talking you look forward to seeing each other 
So that's a, and you just never know where those relationships will take you. You never know how those relationships will benefit you later. But it's not even, that's not even what you need to worry about. What you have to worry about is it just makes sense to have a lot of people in your network, a lot of people that you can turn to for help when you need it. It's about having a proactive mindset. It's about like just today, a friend of mine called me in tears because she's just having a really hard time with this pandemic situation. And it's like, that's what you're creating when you're networking. You're, and that started as a, that started as a professional interaction too. Like when we met, I was strictly her recruiter. I was strictly her resume writer. And she was, she was referred over to me. And now over a year later, it's gotten down to we're calling each other when we're in tears, right? So that's, and I mean, and also with the same exact person, I mean, she was like, hey, do you know anybody at this organization that I applied to? I was like, I don't know, but I think I know someone that does. And so I reached out to him and he was like, sure, I know someone there. And he connected her with his friend, right? And so you just never know when you're going to need that. So that's why you always want to make sure that you're taking care of your relationships and you're treating them well, because you never know when you're going to need someone. And that's, that's just what it comes down to is just supporting each other, right? Yes. If you could only tell someone one tip to help them get a job and be successful in their career, what would it be? Although it seems like this is kind of it, right? Relationship building is key. Yeah, relationship building is key. And I think also self-development is really important. Like I was saying earlier, it's so important to give yourself a project because most people have an issue with what skills should I be learning because we're overwhelmed by so many choices out there. And I think that the best thing that you can do for yourself is continue to grow. And the way that you continue to grow is by giving yourself a project, even if that project is something like gardening. I don't care if it's a hobby. I don't care if it's career related. I just want you to do something that is goal oriented so that you could practice goal setting and you could practice your research skills. You could practice, you know, um, applying things that you learn. And in the, in the process, you're actually also doing that relationship building because, hey, you got to tell people that this is what you're doing, right? So I am, this is what I'm up to. So, I mean, that helps with relationship building so that when you're networking with people, and especially now during this time, and people are like, what have you been up to? You, you have more to say than just nothing, just binge watching and Netflix and watch and just like submitting applications. You have more to say, right? Instead of just having that to say, Give yourself something else to say, actually be able to say, oh, actually, I have a virtual magic show or I have a virtual murder mystery or I started streaming on Twitch with my video games. Right. Give yourself some type of project, because also in the process, you're going to learn so much about yourself. You're going to learn about what you're good at. Right. And so that's that's the main piece of advice, definitely for entertainment professionals right now that I have, you know, for people that are always so used to creating something and used to being somewhere and used to need like need to, you know, execute something. Um, that's the best thing that you could do right now is give yourself something that needs to be executed um, for, sh- for sure. 
can I ask you what you're drinking? We were making a hot chocolate date night, and I have water, so I have failed. What do you have? I have tea with me right now. Good. (laughs) One of us has a hot drink. Amy, what do you got? I just have water. I finished my tea before we jumped on, actually. Yeah, hot chocolate is definitely for tomorrow. I actually texted my boyfriend's mother when she was at the grocery store yesterday i was like we need marshmallows <laughs> because we're like planning we're like planning our whole christmas day we're even gonna get like dressed up and everything which i think is really important during this time too i mean like aside from aside from giving yourself a project and skill development and relationship building you know i think that it's really important for people to make their time at home as special and as normal as they can be. Make yourself beautiful meals so that you feel like you're going out to dinner without actually going out to dinner. Um, Plan to do like a puzzle together with your family or by yourself if you're by yourself, right? You know, do things because that's that's actually one of the main things right now that is the, the biggest problem with job seekers is you know, keeping your spirits up (laughs) because you have to have really good energy when you're trying to do this networking thing and this submitting application thing. And the best thing that you can do to keep your spirits up is just really try to structure your day, you know, plan things. I mean, people, I, it sounds silly. When I asked my friends, I was actually just speaking to my, one of my friends yesterday on the phone Which is another thing. I mean, I know that you hear me probably say, like, I was talking to this person on the phone, talking to this person. Like, I I really do make this effort of calling people and texting people and really staying in communication. And so my one friend was like, do you even know what's happening around you? There's a pandemic going on. And here you are baking gingerbread cookies. And I was like, you have to do this. Like, you, like, you, this is, you have to just do that for yourself right now. Like, yeah. So it's kind of funny because I'm like, you know, what do you have planned for yourself? And they're like, Alex, like there's nothing going on. I'm going to be home. It's like, that's not true. You could look up an awesome recipe and (laughs) make it, or you could like, you know, order yourself like a little, you know, I don't know. Make a charcuterie board of pancake stuff. Like, right. I know, like, or like order yourself like some type of like artwork, like a little like model of the Brooklyn Bridge to put together, like really, you know, make your time at home special because all those things are really healthy stimulants. And it's just going to make it's and and actually, it's going to help you be more creative and innovative, right? There's an awesome head talk on, you know, the importance of just like, giving your mind a rest. And if you're bored in some ways, it, it can actually lead to your most creative ideas. So, you know, also like do things that are going to stimulate you in an easy way. Um, that's not watching Netflix. Yeah. Um, Cause it could be helpful for you. Yeah. How many relationships have been built over people sharing photos of the bread that they've made? Oh my gosh. I know. Right. Something that I've never done. I know I've never, you know, I've never done it and I I don't have a desire to do it, but I so appreciate people that do it. So when they post pictures of their bread, I'm like, you're amazing. I think that you're so great. I'll never get there, but (laughs) this is awesome. Yeah, it's actually really cool. I watched a friend 
start out making their first bread ever at the beginning of the pandemic. And now come holiday time, they've started doing like these fancy loaves with designs in them and things like that. I mean, they've really grown it now. It's so cool. It's great. There's a group in Nashville. It's a married couple and they're musicians. And so they've been out of work since COVID and they're making and selling cinnamon rolls. Oh, I, I made my first batch of cinnamon rolls during the pandemic and they came out amazing. <laughs> but I think that that's so sweet. I actually have, I have um, a client, him and his wife, they started a YouTube channel together just doing duets because he plays guitar and she sings. And so they started doing that. And it's like, you know, even something like that, that's a project that you yeah. gave yourself. That's something that brings structure to your day. It forces you. In fact, like he was telling me on the phone a couple of weeks ago about all these different, all this different equipment that he bought for it. And so through doing the YouTube channel, he thought of all of these other streaming ideas that actually are leading to new income for him. So again, your career, all of our careers are super chaotic and that doesn't mean disorder. It doesn't mean dysfunction. It just means that career development and your career journey is unpredictable in a delightful way. And you just kind of have to take each day, day by day, and continue practicing things that you enjoy while also doing things that you should be doing, like, you know, relationship building, reaching out to companies that you enjoy, submitting applications, but find that balance. If you're just like in front of your computer all day, submitting applications for hours, and you're not taking a break, then that's not all, that's not proper job searching either. It's not going to be healthy for you in the long run. In the long run, you're going to feel burnout, you're going to feel exhausted, and you're not going to be able to continue that process. Because for a lot of people, it takes it's going to take more than a day of sitting there and doing that. So figuring out right. how to make that maintainable is really important. Yep. Is, is there absolutely. Anything that you want to leave us off with? We've we've kept you for a long time. I've loved every moment of this. And I love that we can like almost be real people friends. It makes my heart very happy. Is there anything that we haven't covered that you wanted to cover? I definitely want to encourage anyone in the entertainment industry to head on over to the Actors Fund's website at actorsfund.org slash workshops and sign up for the Career Center's orientation. We have them on Mondays and Thursdays. So if you feel like you're struggling with your job search and you're in the industry, feel free to head on over. We're not trying to convince anybody to transition out of the industry. Our job is not to decide for you whether you stay or you leave. Our job is to ask you the right questions that's going to help you make the decision that's best for you and your circumstance. So, and even if you are not in a position where you need work, come over anyway, because we have a really great community. You never know what you might learn. We have the most cutting edge and updated modern job search strategies at the Career Center at the Actors Fund. So, 
please come on over. You don't have to be alone in this situation. Um, if it's not for the job search information, come for the community. And it was really great to finally be here with you. Amy, anything you want to leave us off with? I just want to say thank you so much for joining us. This has been such a great conversation. We always love talking to people who are doing the same things and, and getting awesome feedback and and knowing that there are people out there who are as supportive of the arts and artists and their amazing skills as we are. Thank you for joining us today on Out of the Arts Podcast. If you have questions or want to see specific content, please leave a comment or email podcast at outofthearts.com. See you next time. And until then, we are rooting for you.